Amen. If you'll remain standing for the reading of God's Word, it has been our joy and delight for the last three and a half months to make our way through Hebrews chapter 11, and that brought us last week to Hebrews chapter 12, and we are returning to that passage today, and then we're going to put this series aside. It's been a good one. We've enjoyed it, and we're grateful for it, and Lord willing, next week we're going to start a new series on the book of Nehemiah, and we will take that book through the end of spring and throughout the summer, so please be in prayer for your pastors as they prepare messages from the book of Nehemiah. Now, for Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. You may be seated. We have a young lady in our church. I won't say her name so as to not put her on the spot, but many of you know her. She is a professional runner, a long-distance runner. Now, there are many things that I can do, but there are some things I definitely know that I cannot do, and being a professional runner is one of them. Not only would my family go hungry, but most likely I would be dead. Many of you laugh, but I don't think I'm the only one. But she gets paid to run and to train to run and help others to do the same. And so having a professional in this arena, I reached out to her last week and asked her and said, would you give me your your top five running tips? And so here they are. Number one, tie your shoes and get out the door. Number two, mix up your running surfaces if you can, soft surfaces, grass, concrete. Number three, stretch after runs. Number four, fuel. Good nutrition is just as important as good workouts. And number five, even though running can hurt sometimes, enjoy it and have fun. Those are great tips, and I appreciate her doing that. And they have some wonderful spiritual parallels to them, and that is why we can see that the author of Hebrews compares the Christian life to a race, even though few of us, if any of us, will be professional runners in regard to our vocation. We are to be professional runners in regard to the Christian life. You're to be runners for Christ. That's what this passage tells us, doesn't it? Run the race that is set before you. And we began looking at this last week, and I want to return to it again before we put this book, this series, aside. Last week, we looked at this race that is marked out for us. And this week, we want to look at the manner in which we are to run this race. In other words, how are we to run? Because the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that not only are we to run, but we're to run in a specific way. We are to run with endurance. We are to endure to the very end. And so we want to look at that this morning. How can we run this race with endurance? And that will be our two points 
the need for endurance, and second, the support needed to endure. First, the need for endurance. This race that I speak of is for the Christian alone. Sure, there are others that are running a race of sorts, but it's a different path. It's a different race. It's a different course. It's one of earthly glory, of earthly prizes that will ultimately fade and spoil. And in the end, they'll realize that that run was worthless because they were running for themselves and for their own glory instead of the glory of Christ. But the race that I'm telling you about is for the believer. And that is why last week I began telling you that about this race that we are to, to run, that it is God who sets the course, not us. It is God that determines the rules of competition, not us. It is God who determines the winners, not us. Therefore, it is all of God. And we should not be surprised by that. We should not be surprised that we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot do it in our own flesh. We cannot do it by our own strength. You cannot will yourself to do it. You cannot, by your own accomplishments, by your own grit and determination, decide that you're going to do it on your own. Why is that? Well, because this race that I'm telling you about is a spiritual race. And when we talk about ourselves in our natural self, we are spiritually dead. We are dead and only God can make us alive. Therefore, only God can have us to run this spiritual race. And only in God can we run and endure to the end and even by his grace win. And that is why, as I said so adamantly last week, that this race begins and ends with Jesus The author of Hebrews makes that abundantly clear, doesn't he? We are to run this race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the author and perfecter, the beginner and finisher of our faith. And so you have not begun to run if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not cast yourself in the fullness of faith upon him, completely and wholly and finally. And so that is the question that we need to begin before we even talk about what it means to run the race with endurance. The question that we need to ask is, have you begun the race? Because there are many that have not. They thought they have, but they have not begun to run the race for Christ. You cannot be a runner for Christ if you do not begin. And like I said, there's many, perhaps even most, that never begin this race. Sure, they start other races. They have other runs that they are trying to do and they're trying to accomplish, but they are not running for Christ. And they do not do so because they make excuses. They have a list of reasons why they cannot or they cannot right now. Yes, there are some that are outwardly hostile 
but I would say most are not that way. Most are ambivalent or indecisive. And as a result, they never even begin. They never cross the beginning line, let alone the finishing one. And that is true of so many things of life, isn't it? You never get anywhere unless you begin, unless you start. And many people never start. They never begin. Yes, that first step is difficult. Oftentimes it's full of fear. It's full of uncertainty. But begin, you must. And that first step is by faith. And then the next step is by faith. And the one after that, and the one after that, and the one after that. Until the very last step. Until you enter into Jordan's waters is all by faith. That has been the point of this whole series, hasn't it? It's all by faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And it's not by morality. It's not by appearing that you are running the race. It's not even necessarily by going to church. It's faith in Jesus Christ and faith in Him alone. And so again, I ask that question to you. Have you begun? As our professional told us, the very first tip of running, which is the right one, is to tie your shoes and get out the door. You need to get out the door and begin the journey. And there are some of you that need to hear that this morning. You need to begin. That you have never started. And perhaps today is the day that you begin this race that the author of Hebrews is talking about. You get out the door. That you tie your shoes on, so to speak. That you tie the gospel of peace that Ephesians 6 talks about. And you get out the door and you begin this journey. You leave behind the world and the flesh and the things of this earth. And you begin this spiritual journey. You must start today. Is that you? I pray that the Holy Spirit would make that known to you, if it is. There's some youth and some children that are here this morning. And I tell you, children, youth, it's time for your parents to stop carrying you. That you need to take the first steps of your race, of your journey, of beginning on your own for Christ. So if you have begun, then you are running this race that the author talks about. That race that is by faith in Christ. But notice that it's not just good enough that we run. But the author makes it very clear that we are to run with endurance. It's good that you've begun. And you must begin. But once you have begun, the focus must become finishing. The ability to finish the race. And not only to finish the race, not only just to to limp across the finish line, but to finish well. And in order to finish well, you need to have endurance. I really believe that the need of the day in the church and the Christian life is endurance. It's perseverance to the very end. Listen to what the preacher says in Ecclesiastes 9.11, a passage that we looked at when we went through the series in Ecclesiastes, he says, again, I saw that under the sun, 
The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happens to them all. What the preacher is saying there in Ecclesiastes, that is, it's not always what it seems like in the moments, in the presence. He says that just because someone is swift right now in one part of the race doesn't mean that they will necessarily win. It may not mean that they will even finish the race. To put it in maybe modern sports context, you could say this. Just because a team is leading at halftime does not mean that the game is over. Or just because someone is really bright and gets straight A's, that does not necessarily mean that they will be successful. In other words, the present reality doesn't necessarily determine the overall success, nor does it determine the overall failure, if there is failure in the moments. It's the true and final conclusion that can be made only when you've examined the beginning all the way to the end. And that is true of the Christian life. We don't want to just have spurts of running well, only to crash and burn later, or not to finish, or not to complete. It doesn't matter if you're doing good in this moment. The point is, are you going to do well the the whole time, the whole journey, the whole race? Because we don't want it to be said of us. Well, he or she did really well for a while. He or she really loved Jesus sometimes. He or she was really faithful to their spouse most of the time. Right? That is not the Christian life. We want to run with perseverance and endurance for the long haul. It reminds me of the title of the book, A Long obedience in the same direction. I've referred to that title many times before, and I was actually asked by one of you, have you ever read the book? And admittedly, I have not, because I'm pretty sure the title is better than the book. So I cannot recommend the book to you, but I can recommend the title. Because we want a long obedience in the same direction. And as I said last week, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you must settle in for the long haul. Many of you have heard you lament that the, the fire that you had once in the days of your conversion and, and thereafter, where everything was fresh and everything is new, is, is no longer true. It's, 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 no longer evident in in your life, and and that is absolutely right. And it it is right to to lament that. But I'd also say that as you have grown in your faith, that your faith has also matured. Yes, we do not want to lose our first love, and the Scriptures warn us against that. We do not want to become stagnant in this race. We have to fight against that. But When you first came to Christ, you you left the gates with a a burst of energy. 
But if you were to keep up that pace, you would never endure. And so you are beginning to settle in. You're beginning to learn to set the pace. Much like in marriage. As newlyweds, you were were giddy in love. All things were fresh and, and new. But you'd have to admit that that love was a bit of an immature love, wasn't it? And so now after 10, 20, 30, maybe some of you 50 years, some of that giddiness might be gone. But you'd also say that there is much more depth of love there. And that is the the same as well as you progress in this race. Your desire is to to be faithful to the Lord in the highs and in the lows and in the the good times and, and even in the mundane times. There would be a maturity of love for Christ. There would be a, a good pace that is set that allows you to endure to the very end because endure you must. As I age, and hopefully by God's grace, mature, this becomes more of my aim. My focus becomes less aspirational and more faithful. That I, I do not want to be those that are disqualified, that fall out of the race, that started well but ended horribly. As we hear of these, these pastors and, and high-profile Christians, whatever that even means, that are caught in scandal or, or leave the faith, those that are numbered among the Hymenaeus and Alexanders, First Timothy talks about, shipwrecked their faith. No, we don't want to be like those. Therefore, it's, it's much like the fable of the, the tortoise and the hare. That slow and steady wins the race. And we see that this was the focus of the Apostle Paul as well in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, when he says, I, I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. See, that was the concern for Paul, that he had this godly fear. He knew of his own humanness. He knew of his own weaknesses. And, and he didn't want to, to preach to others what, that which he was not preaching to himself and have others win the race, but for himself to, to be disqualified. And so that's why it's so encouraging in his very last letter, probably days before he is put to death, he's able to write this in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. See, that was his goal. That was his focus, to finish the race, to, to keep the faith. And if you were to ask the Apostle Paul what was it that he was able to accomplish in his life, it's, he'd probably point to that. And that should be our focus as well. We need endurance. Well, second then, we see that we have the support needed to endure. Here's the the good news, that God knows what we need, and God aids us and supports us with what is needed, that if we were to run the race with endurance, that he also provides the aid and the support for us to endure to the very end, and we see three of them here. 
The first is that we are to run with encouragement. If we're going to endure to the end, we're to run with encouragement. And God gives us that encouragement. Verse 1 talks about being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And last week we, we talked about who that cloud of witnesses truly is. It's, it's those that are in Hebrews chapter 11. Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Rahab and Joshua. And when we read verse 1, it says that they are this cloud of witnesses, that we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And many people think that that means that, that they are watching us, that they are witnessing us, that they are like on the, on the, the stands around us, looking down from heaven, cheering us on. But I don't think that is what the author means or how we should take this. They are not witnessing us, but rather we are witnessing them in how they lived. That they have given the right witness of the right way, the way of God. The way of righteousness. The way that we are to walk on. The way that we are to run on. And how do we know that we will make it? How do we know that we are on the right path? Well, it is because we are following the path of those that have gone before us. See, we're not to be trailblazers. No, the path to Zion is well-worn from the saints that have gone on before us. And that should encourage us greatly that as we look at the life of Moses and Abraham and Sarah and David like we have, these giants of the faith, that we realize that we are treading on the same ground as they tread, that we are following the same path, going in the same direction that they were going upon. And that should encourage us. That should help us, right? By my house, we have this national park. And we were told that we could go right from our neighborhood into that park. And once or twice, I, I tried to find this path, and I didn't get too far because I couldn't find it. I was in the thicket, and I was lost, and gave up, and turned around, and went home. And finally, and when I say finally, I mean finally, I just found this path like a year ago. We've been there for five years. Sometimes it's hard for men to ask for directions, isn't it? Women, you'll agree with that. Women, you can amen that. I finally asked someone, and they told me where it was. And when I found it, guess what? It was real easy. I followed the well-worn path of those that had gone before us, and guess what? It led straight to the national park. And as I was going on that path, I didn't need to wander along the way, thinking, is this the way? Am I going to get there? No, all I had to do was put one step in front of the other. And guess what? It led me directly there. It's no different in the Christian life. Yes, God has us to run our individual race, as we talked about last week, but he doesn't have us to find our own way. Or to wander around aimlessly. No, he has given us his word. And that word is filled with precepts and people. It's filled with teaching and examples. As I mentioned last week, he's given us his church. What an incredible encouragement that is to us. That's why the author of Hebrews 
says earlier in chapter 10 that we are not to give up meeting together, but we are to stir one another up towards love and good deeds, not neglecting meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because we need that encouragement. We need that stirring up on a weekly basis. We need that continual means of grace, of word and prayer and fellowship of the saints. That's how the Spirit works. That's how the Spirit keeps us going on this race. Again, our our professional gave that wonderful tip that you need fuel. You need good nutrition. And she says it's even as important as a good workout. The, The ministry of this church is not hidden from you. It's not something that is secret. What we're trying to give you is the fuel, is the nutrition for the long haul. Sure, you can go elsewhere and get a spiritual fix. You can get a spiritual Red Bull, so to speak. But it won't last. It won't endure. And so the question that I need to ask is, are you filling up week by week, day by day? Are you eating the meat and potatoes that are given to you? Why? Because we're not looking for sprinters. We're looking for marathoners, those that will endure the long haul. And what you need is what other runners, other fellow believers need as well. And so are you providing it for each other? Because that is where there's great encouragement, isn't it? Yes, Moses and Abraham and Joshua may not be directly here to cheer us on, but we are. And we can do that for one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. If we're going to endure the race, we should run with the encouragement that God gives us. Second, we're to run unencumbered. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. If you're to run effectively, if you're to run with endurance, you need not have anything extra on you that does not support and aid you. You do not want anything that's going to impede you. That's why when you go to the gym or you go out for a run, you you probably don't put on the clothes that you're wearing right now. You don't put on your Sunday suit or your Sunday dress. You put on a shorts and, and t-shirt, which are much more preferable. Something light, something that won't encumber you so that you're able to to move freely, right? And we don't take that word seriously enough. Notice it says, lay aside every rate. Typically, we go right to the second part. Lay aside every weight and sin, thinking that the the weight is usually sin. And that is not always true. Yes, sin will always hinder us. It will always be a weight, but there are a lot of good things that also can be waits to us. And this is where we need the Lord's help. This is where we need the Lord's discernment. But there are things that are not necessarily bad in of themselves, but that are hindrances to us from running well and running with endurance. It might be aspects of work or hobbies or entertainment parts of family or 
relationships or social media. The list could go on and on. The things that cause us to excessively worry or to fear and to pray less. Things that have us to not grow in the the fruits of the spirits and rather have those fruits wither on the vine. Those that would have us to focus our eyes less on Jesus and more on the things of this earth. Things that rob us of the gifts of our salvation, of the joy and the peace and of the gladness that we are to have in Christ. I think the author of Hebrews would say those are the kind of weights that we need to cast off because they are not helping us to to run this race, not helping us to live the Christian life. Again, I can't tell you what those are exactly. That is something that you need to bring before the Lord. Let me just say, if it's a hindrance in your pursuits, in your relationship with Christ, if it's hindering you from giving him glory and giving him thanks, then it's probably become a weight. It either needs to be dropped altogether or needs to be dropped temporarily or there needs to be something that changes in you so that that is no longer a weight. It is no longer a burden that you are trying to carry on your own. There's something that you need to lay down at the cross of Christ. And then there's the sin which clings so closely. We'd call this besetting sins. But there are certain sins, there are certain temptations that are more tempting than others. Things in our life that we are aware of, that we are continually and constantly fighting against. And I know what yours is, because it's the same as mine. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All besetting sins fall into one of those categories, and most likely all three of them. Those sins, they they become like cramps when you run, or shin splints, right? Those are the things that slow you down when you're trying to run. They, They hinder you in your endurance. And if they persist, they will take you out altogether. They'll have you keeled over and having you to take a rest. And so we do not want to to pick up these weights. We do not want to pick up these sins. And if we do, we want to lay them aside quickly through confession and repentance. I love what Martin Luther said in his 95 theses. His first thesis of the 95 was this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed that the entire life of believers be one of repentance. That is so true, isn't it? We don't just repent once. No, we're constantly repenting. We're constantly turning around and and going in the direction that we should and and laying aside these weights and these sins. And by God's grace and through his forgiveness, we can. And through his mediation, he allows us to do this. Why? Because he has completed the race. He's completed the course. And he's seated seated at the right hand of God the Father. And what does he say? Well, he says the same thing about us that he said to Peter. He says that I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. Christ is praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's giving of his life for us. And that is why 
the third encouragement that we are to have, the third support or aid that we have to run this race with endurance is that we're to run with our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Here truly is the the greatest encouragement. Here's the greatest support for our endurance. How do we know if we're going to make it? How do we know that we're going to make it to the very end? Well, we know that we're going to make it to the very end because Jesus Christ has made it for us. And in this way, we have so much more advantage than all of those in Hebrews chapter 11, than this great cloud of witnesses. Why? Because they had to run their race before the coming of Christ. In other words, they had to run the race in the twilight, so to speak. But we run our race in the full light, the full sunlight of God's revelation. We know fully who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God, both was and is. And therefore, we have the full support of the Messiah's finished race, his masterpiece, his championship run. And notice what the author of Hebrews says. Notice how Jesus ran. It says in verse 2, that we are to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Notice how Jesus ran. Jesus ran his race joyfully. Why? Was it always a joyful race for him? No, it says that he was to endure the, the cross, despising the shame. And the hostility, as it says in verse 3, from sinners, that is not joyful in itself. Yet he ran his race with joy. Joy in glorifying the Father. Joy in knowing that he was doing this for the good of the saints. Doing this for you and me. Jesus ran his journey with joy. Shouldn't we as well? Shouldn't we not run the race with joy? Let me ask you, dear Christian, is is your race joyful to you? Yes, the Christian life is not easy. It is not the easy life. Yes, it is a marathon. Yes, endurance is needed. Yes, we get tired and we get weary. Yes, we are constantly battling against sin. But let me remind you that this is the way of joy. That this is the way of meaning and of purpose. That this is what the world is longing for. This is what they are trying to chase after in their run, in their race, but they're running the wrong direction. They're running in a way that they will never achieve it. They are chasing after their own tail, and they'll never have this joy and peace because it only can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet you have it. Not only are you in pursuit of it, but you have it right now. Jesus said that I have come to give you life and give it abundantly. Psalm 1611 says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Dear believer, there is nothing greater than being a Christian. There is nothing more joyful than being able to run this race and to run it with endurance, setting our eyes on Jesus, being reminded that he is completed the race and that we can complete the race that he has already won for us 
that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he will remain there until he returns for us, returns for his own. So we already know the outcome. And so, yes, one day your race will be done. One day your race will be complete. For some of you, that may be in just days. In others of you, it may be in decades. But the question we need to ask as we close is, will it be worth it? Will this endurance, will this run, will this race, will this finishing well, competing well, all be worth it? Let me just say to you again, fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore. For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That is what awaits. But it's not just joy one day. It's not just pleasure when we get there. No, there's joy and there's pleasure even now in the race and the run that God has set out before us. As that wonderful hymn says, the hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred fruits before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the streets of gold. Eric Little, the English track star, the one in whom life was portrayed in that movie, Chariots of Fire, famously said, God has made me for a purpose. He has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When we run looking to Jesus, when we run with endurance, with the support and aid that only he can give, when we run with the strength that he gives us through his word and sacraments and fellowship of saints, then we can truly run with joy and pleasure. Again, our last pro tip, even though running can hurt sometimes, enjoy it. Enjoy it and have fun. I couldn't say it better myself. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we do ask and pray that we would run this race and run it well, that by your grace and through your mercy and by your spirit that we would endure to the very end, being faithful to you along the way. Lord, would we be able to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful runner, enter into your master's joy, receive the prize and the glory that awaits. Lord, how we long to hear those words. And may we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. May we keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. And would you allow us to run the race with endurance. We thank you for the support and the aid that you give us, not the least of which is Christ and the Holy Spirit that abides with us forever. And we pray in the name of the triune God.